we spoke about marking off this Lenten time at St. Augustine's to have a focus on death and dying. Uh, and uh, for lots of reasons, in the parish it's been a long time since we've had a focus on this. And for me, a little bit, uh, we, when we lost uh, Doreen and Alan Rennie, uh, I was reminded they had their whole funerals planned out. And I thought, we need to talk about this again. And funeral planning and all these things, at any age, um, this is an important piece to, to engage. And as I've been thinking about it, it's made it, uh, me aware how much we speak about death anyways in the church. And I, I quite appreciate that. Where else in the world do we speak so frankly about death and its place in our life and face it without fear and step into it and let it be a springboard for us into life? I don't know if I know anywhere else uh, in the world that does that so directly. And in the season of Lent, uh, our, our focus is on not marking the death of Jesus, but his resurrection uh, as, we, as we come toward that passage for him. And we walk with him as if he's a dying man that we are giving our attention, keeping vigil with, especially in Holy Week, the week before Easter, we, we set aside as much as we can and engage the liturgies and let those services just carry us through and, and let God speak to us in that presence. In a time of exile that we find ourselves in, in COVID, uh, that you find yourself in if you are thrown into grief, that you find yourself in hearing about war in the world, uh, we can let Lent teach us what to do. And I'd like to think that people who keep Lent might do better at engaging those realities in our world because we practice it every year, whether we need it or not. Uh, that we step into exile on purpose, intentionally. Um, we kind of go through the motions like a, a safety meeting. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we do exile? How do we engage it? And we, we have these readings like we had in, in Deuteronomy, of the sense of journey and losing our sense of place um, and, and being wanderers. And we, we let the traditions of the church teach us, we let the scriptures teach us, we let Jesus teach us as his entry into baptism sent him out into the wilderness. And it, it caught me this year, it says the spirit led him in the wilderness. Um, not that the spirit led him to the wilderness, said, go in, do your thing, we'll see you in 40 days, but that the spirit was leading him all the way through the wilderness and through that time. And Maybe that's something we cling to, whether we feel it or not, when we are in exile. We cling to ritual when we're in exile, whether we feel it or not. We know these are the good things we need to do. We need to meet together, we need to pray, we need to do these good works that, that we have come to know to do. And whether we feel it or not, we keep doing them. And we find that they bring us eventually into life. The, the emotions come back, this is what I tell uh, couples preparing for marriage, you know, <laughs> um, that the emotions go up and down, but the vows keep you going straight. If you can love, honor, cherish, you know, forsake all others and keep that as your baseline, the emotions will come back. Um, if you start letting go of those, 
then the whole thing begins to fall apart. Um, because our emotions do what they will do. Um, our sense of God will come and go. We find ourselves this day in belief, this other day in doubt. And so it is, on and on, forever. Um, but we, we practice in exile, we practice in those leading times to come back to ritual and practice that brings us through. And so, for no other reason than it seems like time for us to do it, we talk about death and dying, whether we need it or not. And, and we each come to this at a different stage and a different place with that. Has anyone been part of Death Cafe? Has anyone been to a Death Cafe or heard of it? I don't know how much they've happened in Edmonton, how much they've been around. Um, it's, uh, it started in the UK. And it's, it's simply creating space to talk about death, not a, not a bereavement group um, uh, where you would go seeking personal support for, for your grief. There are bereavement groups that, if you need, are important to connect with. Um, but Death Cafe is, is more, I want to say, intellectual or more conversational, um, often over cake and tea, to sit down and sometimes with a directed topic, sometimes without just talking about death, because when else do we do that? I think the people organizing it notice how little we even speak of it. We, we, we avoid speaking of it, and then it comes upon us, and we kind of don't know what to do, or what to think of it, or how to act, and then we, we try and get rid of it as soon as we can. Uh, I, I re rely on a, a Benedictine phrase, which is that none of us are special. <laughs> I know there are other times in our life we want to let each other know we're special, but when it comes to death, none of us are special. Um, uh, Dan Ash, uh, past rector of the community, was fond of saying, why shouldn't it happen to you when, when these ills come upon you? Why shouldn't it happen to us that we suffer and come into struggle? Um, why shouldn't it happen to us that we are dying? That is just what happened. It is part of our world. Uh, in a few weeks, we'll focus on how much death is a part of our world and embedded in everything we do and how life comes through. Uh, today, I want to think just a bit of the experience of death because our scriptures invite it. They, they invite these kind of two poles of the experience of death that we will all run into at one time or another. And on the one hand, we have the, the 40 days in the wilderness. And on the other hand, we have this coming home in Deuteronomy. And uh, both find their place in the way of death. Both become containers for us where we, we live at, at different times. The, the 40 days in the wilderness, it's the image of light. It's the image of exile. It's the image of Jesus wrestling with all the meaning of life and what his baptism means. Uh, his heavenly father said, you are the beloved, my child, with whom I am well pleased. And he had 40 days to wrestle that out, what that means. When we find ourselves with death in someone we love, in our world, in ourself, that's often the kind of experience we have. All of a sudden, it throws us into this world that we didn't want to be in, we don't want to be in, and we want to get out of as soon as we can. And yet we are there for as long as it takes. Um, 
if you talk to people who are grieving, uh, I, I know I've heard some people say, uh, after a month or two, I think I'm over it. And then after a year, I think I'm over it. <laughs> and then after five years, I think I'm over it. Yeah. And this kind of, uh, there are different layers and different places that we arrive at in our journey with death. And, um, and, and the one I cling to is the lady who said, uh, you don't get over it, you get through it. Uh, that, that it still becomes part of your story. It still becomes part of who you are. Has reshaped you entirely, uh, but you do find yourself at some point where the pain is maybe not so sharp, um, at least on a daily basis, though it might come and go still. And this this exile that death throws us into. Uh, some people we know uh, we find ourselves in exile before death because of Alzheimer's or illness and this this long passage that they have in death. Other times we find ourselves, the exile begins after death because death came suddenly. It might come at the time of diagnosis for yourself or, or some moment of just realizing your mortality and you hit 40 and start asking meaning of life questions. You hit 19 and you, and you think, I'm no longer in my parents' house. What, what do I do now? Um, you hit 12 and your grandmother dies and you think, how do I do this? Exile. All these moments occur for us where we're thrown into this moment. The spirit is there. There's also temptation. It's a wide road. There are ditches on either side. We can find ourselves getting lost in the wilderness. Um, it can also become a foundation for our living and with reflection, with support, with strength, we find ourselves in a new way, in a new life. On the other hand, we have Deuteronomy, this uh, lovely passage. If you read it thinking of death, it's quite a, a passage. I, I would love to read the whole thing again, but uh, I don't want to. Uh, you can do that on your own time. But this uh, business of when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, when you have crossed over the Jordan, when you have reached that moment where you have set your feet in this new land that you did not know before, but you have found there, you have possessed it and settled in it, take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God has given you, put it in a basket, go to the place, bring it to a priest, say, today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And I love this business. What is the testimony you give at that moment? You say, my ancestor was a wandering Arabian. Which is great permission to let our life as we know it now to be a, a time of wandering and pilgrimage. And yes, we feel at home from this time or another, but we are never quite there. Uh, we are never, no, nothing is ever quite as settled as we hope. Just when we think we've gotten our house in order, the bathroom needs to be redone. <laughs> Just when we think our car is paid off, ready to go, the alternator goes. Just when we think we've got our kids just how we want them, we've trained them up, they go and change on us, keep growing, <laughs> doing what they need to do. Just as we think we've got our body together, we pull our Achilles heel and 
were in a cast for six months. You know, we're never quite there. And I love this idea that we are wandering our millions. You know, we are we are on this journey that snakes through a land and goes from here to here, and sometimes we rest, sometimes we are on the move, and we can maybe do our best to just know what landscape we are currently in and find our way. But there does come a moment when we let our feet find settled ground, and here we are taught the response is gratitude. As we come to the end of our life, as we see death facing us, to come to that moment of first fruits and all the goodness that we have found on our journeys, we lay it down. And we, we practice this business of coming forward and offering and giving thanks. I like to think that this is what we do at church every Sunday, is we practice gratitude. We look over the last week, we gather up all the good things. Of course they were bad, the terrible moments in your week. <laughs> and things that went horribly. But gather up the good, gather up the first fruits of those things that you have been able to taste that have been good. Bring them to this altar and lay them here. Um, you receive a bit of bread, food for the journey for the next week, and you go out in the strength of God, uh, in gratitude and thanksgiving. I can think of no better way to spend my week gathering up gratitude. I can think of no better way to enter the new week than having laid all the old things there and to step out in a new way. Uh, to greet other people from that place of gratitude. To end my life in a place of gratitude. Um, thankful for what I've done. There's a, a true thing to live your life as if, as if it could be the last. And we know it could be. Every one of us at any age. It could be the end today or tomorrow. We could die suddenly. And, and so to live our lives, I could lay it down now, and that would be okay. To think that actually, would I be content to lay down my life today? Some days, yes. Other days, we think, no, no, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I still want to do that. That's okay, too. Um, but this practice of laying down. Being in the room with someone who has just died uh, is an experience of knowing that the person who is at their best, at their fullness, who's most at peace is that person who is gone from us. Um, the rest of us are still in our wanderings. The person who has gone to their rest, who have laid everything down in gratitude, they're doing great. <laughs> they're doing amazing. Um, they, they've never been better. And, and so as much as we are in the 40 days, we find ourselves rejoicing with them that their labors have come to an end. This whole mix of things lands with us. I had a preaching prof who said basically that it is a requirement to be a Christian to be able to hold these diverse things together. Both the 40 days and the homecoming sit side by side, and they, they are sometimes happening all at once. And uh, as a, one of our teachers said, it's okay to feel two things at once. I think it was a grade two teacher, and that was good for the parents to hear, as well as the kids. It's okay to feel two things at once, and to exist in those various worlds all mixed up together. And so these become containers for us to notice what part of the landscape we are in, to practice gratitude, to lay it down.
when our time comes. Thanks be to God.